0: fedex forum growl towels super grizz each one a memphis grizzlies tradition this is the grizzlies podcast alongside columnist jeff Calkins and pick and pop columnist chris harrington here's beat reporter ron tillery welcome in and into this edition of the grizzlies podcast i'm ron tillery alongside pick and pop columnist chris harrington jeff Calkins is not with us this week uh yesterday, Thursday, February 8th was the NBA's trade deadline and the Grizzlies did make a deal, albeit minor, sending James Ennis to Detroit for a second round pick, a future pick and and a forward and Bryce Johnson. But the big news Chris was obviously what they didn't do. Right. And the Grizzlies, although it was much anticipated, did not trade Tyreek Evans. Uh y- your immediate thoughts?
1: Um I I once we got into yesterday, I had a, I still thought he would probably be traded, but I had a little bit of an inkling that it might not happen. Mm-hmm. But it was certainly it was not the Grizzlies' plan all along, right? When when they pulled him off, I don't know if he was actually on the floor. Or you were there in Indiana, but when they pulled him in that game in Indiana, mm-hmm. they thought he they thought he was getting traded, right? And and, and soon, um, I think they thought a deal was going to happen in the next forty eight hours when they made that decision. And whatever that deal was, it did not materialize. It did not pan out. Right. And so, I mean, I still I still thought they were likely to move him, but I think once it got to Wednesday, I think they were so disappointed in what they were being offered. And it's sort of like, you know, you, you you balance what, how much you value what people are offering versus what kind of incentive, and I think it's a small one, but what kind of incentive you think keeping him through the season gives you to try to bring him back this summer? And I just think they valued the return so little, they thought they'd go with door number two.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, the reaction. Yeah to what didn't happen was just, you know, crazy, but people went yeah. nuts just to put a cap on how it all played out. Yes. Indiana Tyreek warmed up right. and, uh, went through his routine and was told to go back to the team hotel. I just think, I don't even know if it matters now, but the, the way it played out, it was I think it is. Yeah. Messy. <laughs>
1: That's a perfect word. I mean, there's a lot because, of messy in this, in this organization though. Right. I <laughs> mean, we're, yeah. we're kind of used to messy.
0: I mean, uh, when, when players get pulled, the deal is done. The only thing left is to put him on a plane to the next city the next day. I would, and I just don't understand why they couldn't have taken him to Detroit that very same night, right. because he could have gone anywhere from Detroit. Uh, yeah. I, I, it just played out, and I think you, you nailed it Messi. It was just and, and I think it was really unfair to a guy who has been a true pro on and off the floor, uh, very productive, who wanted to be around the team. I mean, let's face it,
1: half the team has a sore knee. You
0: know, right. they, they couldn't come up with a sore
1: knee well, and had, let him be around the team? He had just set out two games. <laughs> like the game before that, he'd come off the bench against Phoenix. he just set out the two games before that because of a stomach thing. And so, yeah, mm. I mean, they basically set down Brandon Wright effectively. They just didn't announce it, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. no, I, I agree. I, I think it, it could have been handled in a way that was less showy and less messy and, and in a quieter fashion. Um, I will say, like, Atlanta, it was not as dramatic because it happened much closer to the deadline, but Atlanta set out Bellinelli and mm-hmm. basically said it's because of the trade deadline. They actually sure. did not trade him. It ended up not happening. Right. So it's not unprecedented for a guy to get pulled for trade reasons and then not get traded. It, it's happened twice on this deadline, but it was not as public and as uh, long-term as what the Grizzlies went through with Tiger Right, I
0: think that's what the unprecedented thing is, is how long it lasted, uh, more than a week. Uh, right. <laughs> so that's crazy. But anyway, so, like, there will be a lot of debate about why didn't they just get something for them? I guess my take on that is when you talk to to NBA executives, probably across all pro sports, they always talk about assets, 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 assets. Right. And so like, can you, I I realize they didn't want to take any players back because they probably didn't want any money on the books for uh, this summer. Yeah. But you know, if, if you could just get picks, why not do that? Because even if you don't value the pick for your own organization, It'll be a trade chip, right? Yes, they they can help facilitate trades. They just used a second round pick to get rid of Troy Daniels. Right. Detroit just used the second round pick for the Grizzlies to take uh, Bryce Johnson, who who probably won't play for them. So I, that's the part I don't understand because this is starting to remind me too much of the OJ Mayo exit, right? Like they they knew that they weren't going to resign OJ Mayo. They couldn't. They had just paid you know basically paid the core four in uh, that year. And O.J. was last in line, so they, they weren't going to be able to pay him. And his qualifying offer was almost $8 million, And yet they held on to him and got nothing for a guy who was a top-five draft pick.
1: I, I just don't understand that logic. Well, if if they want to try to bring back um, Tyreek Evans this summer, mm-hmm. I would bet that won't happen. But if they want to try to bring him back this summer, keeping him now gives them 2 Two two advantages or two two incentives that I think are both somewhat small. Fairly mm-hmm. small compared to some big contract offering might give someone else. Number one, you keep the clock moving on his tenure with the Grizzlies. And from a contract perspective, that means he could sign a mid-level with the Grizzlies that has an opt-out. And after one more year, he could opt out and get what's called early bird rights. And that gives them sure. that gives them the ability to boost that contract. Whereas if he signs the same mid-level exception with some other team, he would not have that ability. And so if he's if, if Evans finds himself choosing among mid-level offers from multiple teams, that gives the Grizzlies a contract advantage. And then secondly, maybe they think you keep him in the organization um, instead of sending him somewhere else. And maybe he likes where he's at. And that sort of maybe that gives them some kind of intangible advantage to say, we care about you. We're keeping you here. We're not exposing you to some other situation. So maybe those two things give them some – or maybe helpful this summer. Mm -hmm. I don't think either of them are helpful in the face of just a much bigger contract offer he might get somewhere else. Yeah. But if you're the Grizzlies, I guess you you look at it from what value do we gain in terms of increasing our odds just a little bit this summer with him versus the value we lose and not taking back a couple second-round picks. And I think they made sort of a a cost-benefit sort of evaluation there. But to me, the tricky thing in all of it is – and I I wrote this a little bit today – You know, Evans, so he played that one game against Phoenix, right? But he'd sat the two games before. Right. So the last seven games that he has not played, the two with the flu and then the five where they set him down, they lost all seven, right? (laughs) 0 for 7. Right. And then the the last 15 games he's appeared, they've gone nine and six. Mm -hmm. And so we're in a weird situation where they won't say it, but they kind of want to be losing. And so if they care about their draft, um, status their, their draft pick this summer, like bringing Evans back, does not going to help that at all. And to me, where does that fit into this, you know, cost benefit or whatever they're going to do with it?
0: That's true, and I suspect Tyreek's going to want to play, right? Although he could pull a uh, Jeremy Lynn, you know, realizing that he's already established his stock, and while we're risk injury, I mean, I I suppose he right. could be down for that, or his people
1: may tell him. Well, see that, that that's what I wonder about because I I do think. Like, if he had gotten traded somewhere to a playoff team, right, and he gets the platform of the playoffs and he shows out, that obviously would help his draft stock. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's not on the board anymore. They kept him. Mm -hmm. And so now that they've kept him, to me, it seems more like he's more likely, without having that playoff platform— he is more likely to hurt himself than help himself going forward. Either he he gets injured, which would be terrible, and he has a history, or he just doesn't play as well as he has so far. Because how how can he play better? Like he's been incredible, right? right. And so to me, I don't think there's he's not going to do anything the rest of the season that's going to actually help his draft stock. I think he's already done it,
0: right? right. Well, there's probably I, I mean, there's
1: his free agent stock. Free,
0: right? Uh, I think there's probably a middle ground though, because you, you could question why is Mark playing? I, I, you know, but right. Mark Mark, you cannot sit Mark down. Right. But you can reduce his
1: minutes. And uh, they did set Mark, I mean, he hated it, and maybe that's why they're not doing it now, but they mm-hmm. set Mark in some back to backs last season yeah. when they were like in a playoff race, yeah. right? Yeah. If you will do that in the past when you're actually in a playoff race, why wouldn't you do it now that you're out of a playoff race? Because Mark's associated with coach. He was, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's veto, so, he veto power. <laughs> it, it, yeah. This,
0: yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, now, let's be clear, though. Now, you could not have sent Tyreek to another team at the deadline and then signed him this summer, and still have the benefit of right, the right, early bird. You could not have done that.
1: If you send him away, the most you could offer Either way, the most you could offer him is the mid-level exception. But if you send him away, your mid-level is no better than anybody else's mid-level. Right. But keeping him, they have just a little bit extra sort of, you know, contract detail they can offer that other people can't. But it's it's a fairly small thing in, in context. Yeah, you know? but
0: the danger is
1: a team with cap room is just saying. Look, it's right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Zebo, I mean, no no one thought his market value was $12 million a year, but then a team offered, right? Yeah. And what I would worry about is like the one-year deal, right? Because you saw it last year with Phoenix. I mean, Philadelphia did it with J.J. Reddick, and the Lakers did it with Catavius Caldwell-Pope. You get all this money to spend. The guy you think is worth a long-term contract is not there, so you just want to roll it over a year? I mean— Who's to say someone won't look up and say, well, here's 20 million for one year for Tyreek Evans, and we'll come back next summer. Right. right. And
0: and quite frankly, Philadelphia, I don't know how that much. That could cap be the room. team, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much cap room they have, but but they need they need to start adding veterans that can help them
1: win. Well, they were one of the teams yeah. interested in trading for Tyreek mm-hmm. and they have cap money. And you see the mess of Markel faults. it may be like, we need to buy some time with Markel faults, So let's bring in a veteran who can sort of help ease, you know. They could very well be. I think they seem likely to be a team that would go after Tyreek this summer. Yeah,
0: you know, I I, I think it's interesting that um, one of the rumored deals was uh, involving Denver with uh, Moutier right. and picks uh, for Tyreek. I I think it's
1: interesting that they didn't take a fly on him. They, I mean, we'll find out whether they're right or wrong about that when we we'll go to New York and get another chance. But they, they essentially they must have just determined we don't like Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Otherwise, because you're right, that deal. I mean, they ended up trading. Um, Moutier for Devin Harris. They, sure, they certainly would have done that for Tyreek Evans if they had had the opportunity. Sure. And so, you know, maybe, you know, you get bit on Ben McLemore telling yourself, like, this guy, this high draft pick hadn't panned out, so we'll get him here and he'll, you know, maybe, yeah. do, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Moutier.
0: Because that's what you're always talking about, mainly in free agency, the secondary draft where, where you've evaluated. Been examples it. where it's worked. Like, yeah.
1: Carroll is one that worked. And mm-hmm. You can find examples where it's worked, but there's, Sometimes the guy's just not good.
0: Yeah. And for Grizz historians, James Posey was a guy yeah. that had been in the league and they identified as somebody that could help him. And he, he established his career in Memphis, uh, right. planned a three and D way. Yeah. So Chris Wallace is going to address the media. And yeah, who knows
1: how much we'll get out of that.
0: Oh, right? I know. It's uh, it's, it's not going to be much. But, uh, and so if you're going to be listening to this podcast, he will have done it on Friday, the day after the deadline, February 9th. What can he
1: say? Well, the problem is that what's most – A, he never really says anything anyway, right. especially in these sort of settings with you know the scrums and the cameras. And so you never get – it's hard to get real talk in those settings, as you know, anyway. Sure. And it's hard to get real talk from Chris Wallace in any setting. And so you put those things together, you don't expect much. And so to me, what's most interesting are things that he can't re- – he wouldn't really talk about anyway. It's like, okay, you got Harry Kevin's back. How do you protect your draft pick? Like they're not going to talk about that really, right. right? Right. And it's like to me, the most interesting thing to me is – to what degree, if any, did they get indications from Evans or people connected with Evans that they might be amenable to coming back on the terms that they're able to offer this summer? And yeah. did that feed into their decision? And not, he's not going to talk about that. Yeah. So to me, that's like the big looming question. Did they have, I won't say assurance because you're not going to get that, but did you get any kind of indication of we're not going to be upset if you don't trade us? You know, we might be willing to come back depending on the market. Like what, What if anything, did you get on on that front?
0: nothing because here's what i was gonna say i think one of the main frustrations that i get from fans who are invested in this thing financially and emotionally right is their belief that there's just a lack of direction and and vision but at least they don't articulate it right and so i'm i tend to lean on the side of them just they're just flying by the seat of the pants doing everything on the fly is that Unfair, or uh, is that? I I worry that they. I worry that they
1: played themselves. Yeah, right. You you talk yourself into this scenario that might happen, but Mm -hmm. it probably won't. Mm -hmm. Right, and so you just talk yourself into if this and this and this and this and then this, and and then it's just probably not going to happen. Like you can convince yourself, oh look, look, you know, Conley's going to have the surgery. He'll come back hundred percent, and you know. Chandler Parsons, well, you know, he could probably be playing right now. That he'll he'll be as good coming mm-hmm. into next season as he was this season, and then we're going to re-sign Tyreek Evans, and he's going to be the same 25-5 player, and then we're still going to get a top-five pick. And then, boom, we're back. And, like, it's possible that all those things happen, but it's probably not. It's not likely, mm-hmm. right? And so I I think they feel like they have a decent chance to bring Evans back this summer, but I, I don't trust – if they feel that way, I don't necessarily trust their evaluation. Here's what I don't trust. I don't trust their process. No, I agree. Again, it's a mess.
0: Listen, in, in Oklahoma City, there's Sam Presty Yep. Clearly. In Boston, there's Danny Ainge. Clearly. In Houston, there's Daryl Murray. And you can go down the line. I, the fact that there's no one in Memphis who has autonomy. Right. Or clearly the lead guy, because it's not Chris Wallace. You can call for firing Chris Wallace all you want. Right. But – He's no more responsible uh, for Hashim the Beat than he was for Tony. He picked Tony Roden, but he didn't pick Hashim the Beat. I mean, so, I mean,
1: his resume is all over the place. Right. You know. It just, you know, Chris Wallace has done lots of good things. He's certainly capable of doing them again. Like, everyone has a mixed record. Yeah. But my my problem has been at this point, at this late date, Mm -hmm. it feels like he's still in that spot because it's a comfortable thing for ownership to do, not because of a of a strong, active decision that this is the best course for the franchise. It's just comfortable.
0: Right. No, I agree. I, I just think, and I'm not even taking up for the guy. I mean, if they fire him or not fire him, so what? The right. the, the point is, he doesn't have ultimate power. Right. I mean, it, there's, this is all done by committee. And by the way, there's some people sitting on that committee who have no business being at the table uh, as it relates to basketball.
1: Right. Joe Body being one of them, you know, and and, and that's Para's attorney. I, I just think front offices should be kind of like coaching staffs. And like, I know the Grizz's are not a good um, example of what coaching staff should, you know, should, how that should be handled. But, you know, you hire a head coach and you let that, that head coach assemble his staff, and that head coach runs that part of the operation, right? right? To me, you hire a lead executive. You give him autonomy to run his part of the organization. He assembles his staff, and it flows down from him, and that's sort of the way it should work, and it just doesn't – it's never felt that way.
0: No, not, not since, since Jerry West, West was playing. here, right? Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Not since Jerry West. Yeah. And people can quibble about Jerry's decisions and never, but he did make them relevant. He did make them a playoff right. team, and he, he made – solid moves um and you knew exactly where that it came from him right you know i yes i i don't know i i think um i think the frustration is going to continue uh from the fan base i, I think it, it it will only get worse if as you were alluding to somehow they compromise the ability to get a high draft pick that's the only
1: thing that can create more excitement well I, the, the the danger for them is at this point unless they like <laughs> jump into the top 3 almost no matter what happens people can tell themselves it would have been better if you hadn't if you hadn't if you if you hadn't kept Tyreek right mm-hmm. and so let's say they get the sixth pick which i think would be pretty good to get then maybe people will say well yeah but if you hadn't kept if you if you traded Tyreek you would have had the third pick mm-hmm. and so to me the worst case scenario is they drop like far down. They dropped to eight, to nine, to 10. In that case, even if you get Tyreek back, if you drop down to eight, nine, 10 and you don't get Tyreek back, it's a total disaster. Mm -hmm. If you drop down to eight, nine, 10, even if you do get Tyreek back, people are going to say, you screwed up your draft pick and that matters more. And so Mm -hmm. I I think it's a really dangerous decision they made. Where do you come down on, on Chris Wallace's job? You know, it's funny. I, you know, Jeff's not here with us. And so I I would say this, even if he were in the room to be clear, but you know, Jeff has called for Chris to be fired, right? Mm When Robert Parra came in and was hired, Chris wrote a Jeff wrote a column saying Chris Wallace has to be kept. Mm I I I I did not I did not say he should be kept. Then I'm not saying he should be fired. Now I do think that that this organization could use more structure, more transparency, more communication, and it's probably just time for a little bit of a change to freshen things up. And so, if it were me, this the setup they have now is not the setup I would want. I would Mm -hmm. hire someone new and give them the kind of autonomy most lead executives have in the league and say you hire your staff if you want to keep Ed Sikpansky, fine if you want to let him go fine if you want to keep john hollinger fine if you want to let him go fine if you want to keep Tayshawn prince whatever you like you hire your staff it's like you hire a new head coach they may keep some of the staff they may bring in new people right whatever like you're in charge go do it right and so i do think it's kind of time you know to freshen things up a little bit and have a little bit more coherent structure.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. And, I, and I'll just add on to it by saying this. To me, I'll suggest that Robert Perry is not remotely engaged. Right. Um, you know, forget the lack of interviews and all that stuff. I mean, I, I I think you hit it with Chris being safe. He doesn't have to worry about it. You know, like he did with Jason Levy and he was worried about all the little shenanigans he was pulling. Right. And eventually had to fire him. But you're talking about Two management teams, because Chris wasn't running a team when Parra took over. Right, he gave it immediately gave it to Levian. Yeah. Now we are talking about Parra being on his fourth coach in five and a half seasons. Yeah. Of at le- ownership at least.
1: I've lost track. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And and this just
1: screams instability, right? I and mean, this is um, well the problem with the whole even the idea of like changing the front office is like you got to start at the top, and so they have to. Nothing. I don't think anything is going to change. On maybe nothing will change. Period. But nothing's going to change until they get the ownership thing sorted out. Right. So they got to start with figuring out who owns the team. Right. And once you figure that out, then maybe you know you, you sort of work your way down. But the reality is, like nothing's going to change on the front office. Right. And I suspect
0: that that's the only way it's going to change if ownership right. changes.
1: That's possible. Yeah. yeah. If ownership changes, we know it'll change. Oh right?
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. We're going to wrap this one up, and uh, the trade deadline has come and gone, so everybody can. Go away and have a, uh, 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 I guess, a semi-vacation for All Star because normally we're we're just wringing our hands uh, during All Star breaks mm-hmm. trying to figure out what teams are going to do. We got Dylan Brooks in the rookie
1: game. That's like all we got, right?
0: <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. And, uh, and uh, so we know where the Grizzlies are headed. They're continued. Uh, well, you know, before we get out of here, I guess I mean, we know Mike's coming back next season, right? What does what does all this leave Marcus Hall? I mean, I he's been leading the young kids. He's had a positive attitude. He's been doing all the interviews, but I suspect he's a little frustrated by it all.
1: Oh, I, 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 I mean, he's frustrated all the time, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Um, I think because I think because he and Conley are so tied together, mm. and because this went off the rails, there are lots of things that went wrong. But it went mm-hmm. off the rails primarily because Conley went down, right? right? There were seven and four with Mike Conley. So I think it's easy to talk yourself into, like we come back and we're we're good mm. next season. It may or may not happen, but I think you can talk yourself into it. Right. So I, it reminds me a little bit of the the season that Pau Gasol got traded, right? It was when, like, you know, you went into the season hoping you'd be good and then you weren't. And that's when it sort of fell apart. That could have been this season, but you have the excuse because it was because of Conley. It's not because of your team, it's because of Conley. So I think I think you come back next season and you roll it back and you plan to be good. And if next season goes wrong the way this one did that's when i feel like it could be a finally break up. Yeah. But but i i, I mean anything could happen, but i'd be surprised if if they don't they're not coming back next season with Conley, and Gasol and those guys talking about how we're going to be good again. Yeah. Well, let
0: you have the last word there. He's Chris Harrington. Mr. Pick and Pop, I'm Ron Tillery, the only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known, and uh, we will be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening. The Grizzlies podcast is hosted by Ron Tillery. Jeff Galkins, and Chris Harrington, and posts each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe to the Grizzlies podcast for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Grizzlies podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.